Welcome to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. Over the past couple of weeks, a really horrifying picture has emerged surrounding Hollywood movie mogul Harvey Weinstein and the 20 or 30 years he apparently spent sexually assaulting and harassing young actresses. The grim story has given rise to some really critical questions about an American culture that sometimes denies the extent of sexual violence that we live with in this country and sometimes seeks to protect it and its predators. Powerful actresses in Hollywood have come out to discuss their victimization and an online campaign has caught hold as women post the words, Me Too, to indicate that they've been violated at some point in their lives. So where do we go from here? That's where we want to start the show this uh, this day. Uh, Harvey Weinstein was a public face of women's rights and progressive thought, and yet he was a monster to women behind closed doors. And that's not anything new. We want to talk today about what the future looks like uh, of relationships between men and women in America. We want to start by talking about the male role here, not just the obvious male predatory role, but the guys who consider themselves good guys, the guys who consider themselves not to be part of the problem. What's their role in all of this, and should it look different? And then a little later, we want to talk about the future in in terms of our children. What do we teach our kids, both boys and girls, about how to deal with this issue in a different way. According to my first guest, women must constantly size up the men in their lives, from the men they pass on the street to the trusted friends and co-workers in their lives, and they must do that in a silent struggle uh, that a broad, broad part of the population doesn't seem to acknowledge or understand. Uh, in a piece for the website Very Smart Brothers recently published, uh, Natalie de Graffenreid says that uh, she equates the, the, the sense of danger from a man with a black person's ability to sense the threat of racism from a white person. Quote, black men will quickly tell you how they can sense racism, how cautious they are about it. There are always signs and signals to be found in an endless sea of microaggressions that can tell you who the most dangerous white people are, even if the white people in question don't realize it themselves. As a black femme, I agree. So it's all the more baffling when I say the same for being able to sense when men are dangerous. Natalie DeGraffenried joins us now to talk about her piece and other things. Natalie, welcome to Detroit Today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah. I I, I saw this piece, I think, uh, linked all over my social media when it came out, and I, I imagine that many of our listeners are the same. The, the title of the column was, I Have Been Raped by Far Nicer Men Than You. That itself is a pretty pro- provocative uh, a statement, uh, but but you go on in the piece to to many more, I think, uh, provocative things, and I, I think the comparison here to race is is really poignant, at least so far as I'm concerned. I, I have become accustomed to having conversations with white people in the in the current sort of dialogue that we're having about race in America, um, where they sort of divulged that they didn't understand that they were part 
of the problem. They don't understand that uh, if they are good people who don't openly practice, uh, you know, racist uh, speech or action, that uh, that that uh, they can still be part of uh, a systemic problem that is not about individuals. I feel like uh, here what you're saying is that uh, men and women have that same issue, that, that, um, that men, as men, we don't see all of the systemic ways in which uh, sexual assault, sexual violence sort of plays out uh, in, in a daily sense uh, against the women in our lives. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and I'll point this out in the piece that, you know, sexism and racism don't operate exactly the same way. But, you know, um, being black, you know, I'm able to kind of see, you know, some of the common language around, you know, around racism and how how that often does look like, you know, some of the common common language that you hear when someone is being sexist and maybe doesn't realize it or, you know, just kind of making a, you know, what they think is a harmless joke or, you know, making a comment, you know, so in, you know, in much the same way that, you know, as a black person, you might hear a comment about your hair, you know, or about, um, about the sort of food you eat, um, you know, it's a similar sort of thing where, you know, as a woman, you might hear someone make a comment about, you know, what women should or shouldn't be doing, you know, or things that they think are perfectly harmless, are, you know, totally acceptable when really they're kind of signaling, okay, you know, I might have a worldview, you know, overall that might um, actually be harmful to other people. Um, and it very often does signal, um, you know, it doesn't necessarily signal, okay, this person is going to, you know, partake in, you know, really insidious behavior, but, you know, it is kind of a warning sign yeah. for sure. Yeah. Uh, uh, do you feel like, uh, I'm wondering if if your goal with this piece is to sort of grab the men, uh, figuratively, of course, grab the men around you sort of in your life and in other women's lives and sort of take them by the shoulders and shake them a little bit and say, hey, hold on a second. Uh, I know you think that you're not part of this. I know that you think, I know how hard you work to, to not be part of it, but um, but there's some things I need you to, to, to pay attention to, and there's some things I need you to start thinking about that are not easy, I guess, to talk about or to, to, to get people to focus on. Yeah, that was absolutely the goal. Um, and, you know, the title of the piece and the sort of drive behind the piece, um, you know, I've been raped by far nicer men than you. Um, it actually came about as a result of me having multiple conversations where, you know, I will tell guy friends, acquaintances, hey, you know, like you need to speak up when someone is, you know, saying something rude toward a woman using, you know, rude gendered language, you know, you need to speak up in those moments. And the response that I very, very often get almost always is, well, I don't hang out with that type of guy, you mm -hmm. know, um, mm -hmm. or I don't know people like that um, because I'm, you know, a good person. The people around me are good people. And that doesn't really take into account the fact that, you know, one, people will often kind of know that these behaviors might not be acceptable to certain people. Mm -hmm. It's very easy for them to hide that behavior, you know. So um, for one, you know, it's kind of a matter of, well, it probably is happening and you just don't see it. But then even in cases where, you know, men are able to see it, I feel that 
there's more that can be done, you know, to kind of step in and say, whoa, hey, that's not okay in situations, you know, where it's not necessarily escalated, where it's not, um, you know, where, where it's maybe just kind of the guys, you know, mm-hmm. having, a, you know, having a conversation and something kind of comes up because we often turn rape into kind of a moral question, kind of an individualistic question. Right. Um, and it's really a cultural one. You know, people feel comfortable sexually assaulting or sexually harassing women because it seems normal to a degree, um, because we have movies where guys are trying to get women drunk and it's a joke or where it's romantic for a man to ignore a woman's rejections and, you know, be persistent until she gives up and goes out with them. Um, and, you know, the thing is we have to really step back and stop treating it as these people sort of twirling their mustaches and doing evil things. It's not just those people. It's everyone who kind of makes it normal for sexist behavior to continue. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, This is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. My guest is Natalie DeGraffenried, a contributing editor for the website Very Smart Brothers. She recently published a column about the persistent culture of sexual violence in America. It was titled, I Have Been Raped by Far Nicer Men Than You, a really provocative statement about the culture we live in. Think of the little things that happen or that people say or do that contribute to the culture of sexual violence that sort of normalize these things uh, in a way that makes it easier for predators among us to do awful things. What do you think about that concept? What do you think about talking more about sexual assault in that context, about not the men who you know to be afraid of, uh, but the men who are close in your life, the the men that you may like or love? What are the things that they're doing that play into the systemic Uh, problems of sexual assault in America. Also, tell me what you think of the Me Too campaign on Facebook, a very powerful set of statements being made by women all over America in the wake of the revelations about Harvey Weinstein and his 20 or 30 year predatory behavior in Hollywood. Uh, Is the Me Too campaign a way to shake us out of the sort of complacency about this issue and understand that it's not just people like Harvey Weinstein? It's people all over uh, America who are part of this culture. 313 577 1019 is the number on the phones. That's 313 577 1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put your comments there. If you go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, uh, we will try to we'll try to work your comments into uh, into the conversation. Uh, Natalie, I, I, you know, right now we're having a really interesting and difficult time in America talking about race and racism. Uh, some days I think, hey, it's it's better that we're at least talking about it as much as we are, because uh, for many years, people didn't want to acknowledge it at all. Other days, I'm I'm more disappointed because of the content of those conversations and the way that we go. Um, uh, I'm also wondering, though, whether we're ready for the sexism and sexual violence conversation, which I think is maybe in some ways even more difficult, uh, but, but certainly has not occupied the sort of center of the table conversation uh, that race has. Sure. Um, 
honestly, I think we kind of have to be ready. <laughs> um, <laughs> it is a very difficult conversation. And, um, you know, as a survivor, even for me, it's, it's exhausting, you know. Um, and to be frank, we've been doing this. The Me Too campaign, you know, isn't the first of its kind. You know, we've right. had, you know, hashtag you okay, sis. Um, what were you wearing? Where, you know, women will explain what they were wearing when they were sexually assaulted. We've been doing these things. We've been, um, you know, I think making a very strong effort to be very vocal about what's happening. And, again, that's why I kind of... Um, you know, focused on who I focused on in this piece, which are those nice men, right? Because I feel like, you know, a lot of women and, you know, of course, women are not the only victims of sexual assault, all victims of sexual assault, women, men, and those outside the binary have kind of been put in a position where we have to step up because Mm -hmm. we've gone through these things and we continue to go through these things and see others going through these things. And, you know, it really has to end. It really has to end as soon as possible. So, um, you know, I think that it's a conversation that we definitely do need to have. Um, mm-hmm. I sometimes, you know, worry that us kind of going through the motions over and over again, you know, like, will it actually help this time? Will right. it change anything this time? It kind of feels like we're, you know, sort of like Groundhog Day. You wake up, same thing happens again, you know, um, and it's really unfortunate. But I think that's why we actually really need to keep having these conversations and keep pushing forward with it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Allie on Twitter says it sadly goes without saying uh, 99 percent of women have faced this. The movement doesn't solve the problem. It is something for the neck craners. Uh, Let's go to Madeline in Metro Detroit. Madeline, welcome to Detroit Today. Um, We have to to start small. Since it is a cultural problem, we have to start with small boundaries, like the gas station attendant cannot call me sweetie unless we're married. You know, any <laughs> no man can call me these pet names. Mm. And that's, we, have, we can't just outlaw sexual assault. Everybody knows it's illegal. We have to start from the bottom up yeah. and set boundaries. Yeah. Madeline, uh, I, I appreciate the comments uh, and the call. I think you're... You're absolutely right there that this is something that that by definition is about small things. And I think it's about getting men, all men, to start sort of stopping for a second and thinking about those little things we do and say that that contribute to this inadvertently uh, when when we don't think that we're being part of the problem. So, Madeline, I appreciate the call. And again, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. Uh, Stephanie in West Bloomfield. You're next. On Hi, I just have one comment. Mm-hmm. Um, so I actually went out on a limb a couple months ago. I actually think it was when um, the, Trump, the Trump tape came out that he you know, said he grabbed women. Mm-hmm. And I started mm-hmm. polling all the women that I come in contact with. And it seemed to be a pretty um, obvious consensus that almost all women that I have come in contact with have either been groped or slashed a man's genitals before they went into high school. And it's so common practice that it's it's just like a we don't even talk about it because it's almost like a rite of passage hmm. that it's so normalized in our society to for men just to touch you if you don't want it or to be flash. I remember it happened to me. I was 11. I was walking home from school with girlfriends. A man pulled up to us in his vehicle, lifted his pelvis up and exposed himself. Wow. And it was just kind of like, well, this just happens. 
And I have never met a woman who that has not happened to. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Stephanie, I, I, I'm really glad you called and, and shared that. You know, again, I think I think uh, part of the issue is that uh, as men, we don't realize that this is what what goes on. I mean, I, I have to be honest. Uh, I, I don't think of, of this as happening nearly as frequently as I'm now sort of being told that it that it does. And, and I think uh, we have a way of walking through the world and through life without really thinking about how those things, uh, you know, how those things unfold and how they how they uh, affect the people around us. Uh, Natalie, I, I, I wonder I wonder what the men in your life have said in reaction to your piece. Have they sort of expressed uh, surprise or uh, I guess unknowing about uh, about this this feeling that you have not about predators, but about them. Mm. Um, there has been some surprise, and there's been, you know, a lot of I think I think guilt um, around not knowing and around not really, I guess, doing more to acknowledge it uh, because, you know, a lot of these things have sort of been happening and they are kind of ongoing. It's like as you know, if it's not sexual assault, then you know sexual harassment, you know, of some na- of some nature is very common and even without having linked it to the sexual assault conversation, I have talked to a lot of them about catcalling or about, you know, like the caller just said, things like, you know, calling someone sweetie, where it's like of course it's going to seem small to you, but for me, um it very much brings up thoughts of okay, is this person going to try to go farther? And it, it's very difficult because there's sort of not a right way to react to these things mm-hmm. um, as a woman in particular, because it's, there's always a way to make it wrong. You know, if you were too direct, you were mean, you probably provoked him. If you were too indirect, if you were trying to be nice about it, then you were probably asking for it. Then you probably didn't realize you were saying no. So, you know, all these issues where, you know, there's not sort of a, a very clear cut way to respond, make it very difficult to talk about with people and I think that me sort of um, connecting it to sexual assault and to sort of that fear um, of the possibility made it much clearer for a lot of them and kind of brought the point home a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's go to Tom in northwest Detroit. Tom, welcome to Detroit today. Good morning to both of you. Mm-hmm. You know, my take on this whole thing with Weinstein is I want to see if he's going to be treated any differently than Bill Cosby. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, both are wrong, mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, I know nobody's been, uh, you know, been uh, convicted of doing anything. But, I mean, I look at it this way. When that many women come out and say that, you know, you touched them or did something to them, if it was one, it was too many. And, I mean, you know, uh, men have got to start thinking, you know, when they, you know, like address women. Because I even heard somebody say, well, it's to the point now where if a woman comes to work and she's dressed real nice, you can't comment, or rather, you can't compliment her on that without, you know, you maybe being thinking you're going to be, you know, <laughs> strung out and saying that, you know, she was sexually harassed or, or, or that kind of thing. But I want to see what, you know, if there's going to be any difference I, in, in the yeah. way Weinstein is going to be treated and caused. I, th- I mean, I think you've you've raised a number of, couple, uh, of, of things there, Tom, and I'll, I'll try to get to them in, right. in, in order here. Thanks very much for the call. Uh, first, this this question of the difference, the distinction 
between Harvey Weinstein and Bill Cosby. Natalie, I'll give you a chance to address that. Are we seeing this unfold differently because one man is white and the other is black? Hmm. I do think that there is always, always, always going to be a difference in how the media responds to um, to black men versus white men sure. in media, uh, you know, in, in these situations. Um, as for if I think that the response to Harvey Weinstein is different, I do think it's a little bit different. Um, and I do think that... Um, I think there's a lot. I think there are a lot of different things that complicate it. To be frank, I think mm-hmm. that both of their profiles um, differ very much. I think that Harvey Weinstein obviously is going to be for uh, you know for most people someone who's a little bit more behind the scenes. So I think it is actually in some ways um, a little bit easier to say like oh like wow what a terrible person because quite a few people are kind of getting um, you know, sort of exposure to him through this or yeah. just through him, sort of. There's not, like, a, a very clear public persona with him, I think, whereas there was with Bill Cosby, and I think that is part of what sort of caused some of the, the jarring differences there. But, um, I mean, you know, uh, I, again, I think there's sort of a way that power dynamics work where um, a lot of what comes out of them as a response, a lot of the discourse around them often looks similar. Um sort of the backlash around it, like, oh, you know, like, why didn't these women, you know, um, react this way, or why mm-hmm. didn't these women do this instead? I think a lot of that actually looks very similar in that, you know, again, ultimately the conversation ends up around what the women did and didn't do, um, As you know, to on some level. Did. And I think that kind of remains true um, across cases. Yeah. Uh, what about Tom's other point here, which is, I think he's trying to get at the the, the line drawing that that mm. can be somewhat difficult. So so if a female a coworker comes to, to to work in a nice outfit, and and I say, wow, that's a nice outfit, uh, is that is that the the sort of first step uh, in the, the the march toward this creating the kind of climate where much 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 worse things. Happen. I think. I, I think that question that Tom is is asking there is something that that all men uh, at some point end up asking themselves, and and there there is a bit of fuzziness there. I think there is this sort of uh, uh, unclear uh, distinction between something that that contributes to a hostile culture and something that's just either a throwaway comment or um, or an endearing one. Mm. Um, I guess my response to that would be, you know, if it is sort of a throwaway comment, then does it need to be said in the first place? Um, You know, so I've realized that there can be sort of a gray area there and that that can be, you know, somewhat harrowing. But I think keeping other people's safety in mind ultimately should be the number one priority. And I think in the workplace, you know, it makes sense to be careful anyway. Um, Yeah. And to add to that, you know, women are often de-incentivized from reporting things like that in the first place, actually. I think that's a part of the conversation that doesn't come up as much. Mm -hmm. You know, we do hear that side where it's like, oh, I can't even give a woman a compliment. Um, But even when um, people speak up about, you know, harassment in the workplace, most of them, you know, experience some form of retaliation, whether that's, you know, social standing in the office or, you know, even in some of the worst cases, you know, legal action, um, you know, 
being ostracized. Um, there's a study that's been going around recently that 75% of people who are harassed in the workplace experience retaliation when they speak yeah. up. So I feel like we often kind of focus on that, oh, you know, I can't say this, but I actually don't think that that is the real sort of problem around um, around how we communicate. Um, I think the actual problem is that we've sort of, um, you know, really hyped up this narrative where, oh, if I just make a mistake and say the wrong thing or do the wrong thing, then I'm going to be falsely accused of this. And I, I don't think that happens nearly as often as people think. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, Natalie DeGraffenried, contributing editor for Very Smart Brothers, uh, author of the recent column, I Have Been Raped by Far Nicer Men Than You. Thank you very much for being here for this discussion on Detroit Today. Thank you again for having me. Absolutely. Okay, up next, we're going to talk to a state lawmaker who wants to change the way we educate young people about sexual assault. Stay with us on Detroit Today and stay with us on the phones. 313-577-1019 is the number. We'll be right back on Detroit Today. WDET, bringing you culture and information that empowers our community. Every day on 1019 WDET, Detroit's public radio station. You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. A new bill in a state Senate would require schools to teach students about what it means to consent to sex, to not just think both parties want to have sex, but to confirm with an active conversation that both people want to have sex with each other. It's called affirmative consent. The measure was sponsored by Democratic State Senator Curtis Hertel Jr. of East Lansing. Uh, Continuing our conversation today about sexual assault and the different ways in which we are dealing with this in society. Uh, Curtis Hertel, welcome to Detroit Today. Thank you so much for having me on. Yeah. So let's first talk about just the practicality of what you're talking about in this bill. How, how would something like this work? Well, we, we have a cultural problem when it comes to Michigan, really as a whole country. But uh, one in four women uh, report being sexually assaulted on a, on a college campus. Um, and so to me, uh, that there's a epidemic that we need to solve, and I think a lot of it's cultural. So what we're trying to do is change the conversation. Uh, no means no is fine, but there are situations where someone is too scared, um, someone's incapacitated, um, and, and no is just not uh, available. And so uh, what we want to do is try to take the confusion out of all of that uh, and actually teach affirmative consent in our, uh, in our sex ed programs uh, throughout the state. And what that basically means is that it clarifies that silence isn't lack of, and lack of resistance does not constitute consent, uh, that consent cannot be rescinded at any point during a sexual encounter, and that the existence of a dating relationship between two people does not imply consent. And I think it's incredibly important uh, that we, you know, I think about my daughter, mm-hmm. and she will be taught her entire life uh, where to walk, 
uh, how to take care of her drink, to carry pepper spray, what not to wear. But my sons will never be taught to not be perpetrators. And I have a responsibility to teach my sons that. But it's obviously not happening uh, throughout our state. And so I think our schools can play a major part in changing the culture before kids get to those campuses. Yeah. And and your, your focus here, as you point out, is the, the college campus where – uh, where students are in often, oftentimes sort of feeling their way around relationships and consent and all of these things, and, and where things can be murky and confusing. Um, but but how would you how would you be able to confirm uh, that that this kind of consent takes place? I mean, how would you how would you legislate that or or enforce legislation that said it has to look like like this, and it can't look like that. Well, I'm not in any way, shape, or form trying to talk about forms assigned in triplicate or any of those things. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're not changing the standard for what rape is. In fact, uh, Michigan has laws on the books uh, that I think are too lenient on on rape, but college campuses already have these these, uh, Title IX hearings as well. So I I think that that instead of focusing on that end of it, focusing on the culture, trying to actually change the culture before people even get in those situations. That It's really just a basic respect for uh, your partner. You know, that person has agency. That person has a right to their own body. Uh, so I think by teaching a different way of looking at those issues, uh, we can change our culture. But, um, you know, I think that, that it's easy for the opposite side to talk about you know uh, the forms and everything. No one's trying to do that. I think that's a, that 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 a um, all we're trying to do is prevent unwanted sex and change our culture. And I don't know how anybody in the state of either party could be opposed to that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is Detroit today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. My guest is State Senator Curtis Hertel Jr., a Democrat from East Lansing introduced uh, a bill called Affirmative Consent, uh, and it is about how we decide uh, among men and women what consent looks like uh, in a sexual encounter. Uh, Is it silence? Is it something spoken? Is it an agreement between the two people? And when it's not, should that be against the law? If you want to join the conversation, talk about a bill like this, whether you support the idea of legislating in this area. Also, give us a call and tell us what you think about the conversation we are having, both locally and nationally, about sexual assault. Of course, inspired by the scandal that is engulfing Hollywood mogul Harvey Weinstein, but has gotten much broader than that. The Me Too campaign on Facebook and women all over speaking out about their experiences with sexual assault. Are you someone who has one of these experiences and these stories remind you of that experience and how you dealt with it? Uh, Are you a man who is sort of sitting and thinking, wow, am I maybe part of the problem, even though I think of myself as a good guy and would never do these things that uh, someone like Harvey Weinstein did, am I speaking out enough? Am I not doing the things that help uh, build the culture around sexual assault in America? Give us a call, 313-577-1019 to join the conversation. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put your comments there or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we'll work you into 
the conversation. Uh, let's go to Aaron in Detroit. Aaron, welcome to Detroit Today. Hi. Hey, you know, as, uh, as I sat and listened to some of the comments, uh, and this is, this is really a really, really sensitive and hard to talk about uh, complicated issue, but some parts of it are not complicated. And what I wanted to say was, and I'm glad it was compared to, to racism because I'm very hypersensitive about race because I've grown up through the 60s, and, and, and so I'm real sensitive about that. But then I realized that I'm not as sensitive to women's uh, issues in, in, in the sex area, uh, thinking that because I don't have that motive that I – I'm not doing anything wrong. And that's what a lot of uh, uh, white people think, uh, well, I don't have that issue, so I'm not doing anything wrong. But we still have to be conscious of how somebody else might feel about how we act or what we say. But uh, with the legislation, I think that's ridiculous because you can't legislate morality. People know when somebody don't want to have anything to do with them Mm -hmm. and to try to make it down to the letter of the law it's just a way to justify people getting away with doing wrong uh it it, the morality that has you know we have to teach our kids to be respectful to to other people we have to teach uh, uh each other how to treat each other right that can't be uh uh you don't you think know, the law can be... That's interesting. Uh, Aaron, I, I appreciate the call and the thoughts there. Uh, Curtis Hertel Jr., I'll give you a chance to address what Aaron is saying. Why, well, I, to be clear, that's what we are trying to do. Uh-huh. I mean, to, to, what we are trying to do is uh, teach people uh, respect. And uh, so I, I would say this. Um, we can think that it's just common sense. Uh, that people don't do these things, mm-hmm. but that's not actually what what's happening. So uh, when you look at Michigan State's campus, there was polling that was done that was um, if someone consents to sex and then says no, are you supposed to stop? Right. Now I think that that answer is a common sense yes, but people were confused by the answer. If someone is passed out, uh, is it okay to have sex with them? People were confused by that answer. We have a cultural problem. Uh, and I, again, this is not in the criminal code. We're not trying to change that. What we're trying to do is change the culture mm-hmm. about how we talk about sex. Uh, and it's not just a problem on our college campuses. It's happening across the state. Uh, and it's happening, unfortunately, oftentimes in our high schools. We had a situation that happened uh, in Eastern uh, High School here in Lansing. Uh, so we need... We need to change our culture, and I, I, I agree. Listen, it would be great if everyone uh, just had this morality automatically, but that's obviously not the case of what's happening. Uh, so we need to do something. Um, so uh, while I appreciate uh, what the man was saying, I would mm-hmm. also say that I think that uh, if you understand the fullness of what we're trying to do, we're not trying to legislate morality. We're trying to educate. Uh, our citizens trying to prevent sexual assaults. Yeah. Uh, let's go to Arn in Northwest Detroit. Arn, welcome to Detroit today. Hi. Mm-hmm. I, I want to thank you all very much for bringing this conversation up and, and just mention that for other men listening to this conversation who feel inspired, you know, outside of this conversation and in general want to try and stop sexual assault and sexism, I find that there's really an opportunity every day to practice at least 
once a day at least to interrupt something that you're here because it's it's really just to me it's it's everywhere um and so you know i hear normalized rape jokes and uh sexual assault jokes all around me all the time and it's it's uh i just wanted to put my voice out there and say hey i'm i'm doing this i'm trying to stop it every day and and uh and for everyone else out there who's yeah so so arn let me ask you a question what do you think about the idea of trying to legislate the negotiations between men and women, young men and women, uh, when when they are involved in a sexual encounter, do you think that is the way? One way we might uh, get to a better space here. I'm supportive of it. I think that it's. I mean, I if I understand the legislation, and I'm not totally certain that I do, then uh, it sounds like it would be uh, there'd be education in college campuses. Um, I don't pretend to. Understand. In our, in our high think, schools. Yeah. In our high schools. I think that's an appropriate place to be in teaching. I think that's a great thing. Um, and uh, I don't know. I just, what does it say about our culture if, and our country if we don't have uh, rules, you know, explicitly preventing this even? It just seems, right. it just seems yeah. wrong to me. I don't yeah. know. Arn, Arn, I I appreciate I appreciate the call, and I absolutely appreciate the the sort of hesitation uh, that you're expressing here, the the, the unclear uh, sort of outcome. I mean, I think I think that is something that's pretty pretty common. People are struggling to to figure out what is the right space uh, to be in around uh, around these issues. Uh, let's go to Ruby in Ferndale. Ruby, welcome to Detroit today. Good morning. Mm-hmm. I'm going to make this quick. We mm-hmm. need to recognize that human sexuality is like sunshine and rain. We need to educate our youth better. The Unitarian Universalists have an extensive human sexuality curriculum for eighth graders called Our Whole Lives. Mm-hmm. It covers all the ways that humans have sex, all the ways to protect yourself while having sex, whether that means preventing pregnancy or disease. And it includes extensive role-playing regarding intimate scenarios across the gender spectrum, and it teaches respect and recognition of boundaries. The information is out there. Abstinence only is not doing us any good. Right, right. Uh, Ruby, I, I absolutely agree with the, the thoughts you're expressing there, uh, and I appreciate your calling and uh, and sharing them. Let's go to Ryan in Shelby Township. Ryan, welcome to Detroit Today. Hey, good morning. Hey, Thank Ryan. you. What an awesome uh, topic to be talking about, so topical. I'm a pastor in Metro Detroit, hmm. and um, I guess my question is, uh, I feel like a lot of this is an ointment for the symptoms, but we're not really treating some of the diseases, especially I work with a lot of young adults, and my concern about the rape cases and all of those kinds of things is, you know, we've put Title IX things and we've got these kind of de facto court systems, which is that really even the role of the college campuses? I guess what I, I have a question for the lawmaker is, what are what's being done about what I feel leads to uh, these uh, rapes and and abuse and that kind of stuff, which is this $40,000 a year alcoholic fuel party hmm. that we have. Uh, it's no longer a place to educate. You know, Princeton used to say, oh, he's a Princeton man or a, a, you know, a Harvard man, like they made men and women. I feel like our campuses don't even make people anymore. They just are a place to get drunk. Wow. 
Uh, Ryan, that's a really that's a really important important point. Um, uh, Curtis Rattel Jr. Talk about the role that alcohol plays here, and whether maybe some of the attention in trying to curb sexual assault needs to focus on curbing alcohol abuse. Well, obviously, I think that uh, we shouldn't be have you know having those kinds of things on campuses. Although I I disagree that that is a new thing. Um, having went to campus and college at some point mm -hmm. uh, 20 years ago. I think there was plenty of drinking going on that, there as well. I don't think that that culture has radically changed on campuses, but I still think it's, a, it's, it's an issue. Mm -hmm. And that's what we're trying to teach, actually, that if someone is incapacitated uh, to the point where they can't make rational decisions, it's get them help instead of actually trying to have sex with them. You know, one of the things that we actually add into the bill as well, when we talk about men's responsibility or other people's responsibility, is bystander intervention. Mm -hmm. That if you see something put, something put in someone else's drink, you know, the correct thing to do is try to get that person out of the situation, to call the police. Uh, same thing if you see somebody who's passing out incapacitated, who's being taken home by somebody. Get them help. Um, you know, I, again... Um, you know, do I think that there are lots of things we can do on our college campuses? Sure. But it all starts from a point in changing our culture. It all starts with the idea that someone else has autonomy to their own body, that you, that you care and respect them. Uh, and so uh, for me, yeah, we can look at all the reasons to blame, other, blame people for what's going on. I think that the answer really is we do have a cultural problem and we need to, we need to solve that. Uh, and I think it's one of the things we can do. The other thing I want to mention is uh, we, t we talked about um, abstinence. Michigan is an abstinence plus state. So we actually do go beyond abstinence yes. uh, in, in our sex ed code already. Uh, and all we're trying to do is add an element of affirmative consent. Respect your partner. Respect other people's bodies. Uh, it is not uh, uh, your right to take uh, that kind of uh, – you can take that away from them. Okay. Curtis Hartel, Jr., state senator, Democrat from East Lansing. Thanks very much for being here on Detroit Today. Thank you very much. Up next, we're going to talk to a reporter who has seen the devastation of wildfires in California's wine country firsthand. Stay with us on Detroit Today. Detroit Today.